holidays. Happy, happy everything. Happy Festivus. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy, happy, whatever you celebrate, have a happy one of those. Hi, everyone. Welcome in. It's a special edition of this week's The Show Before The Show podcast from MILB.com. I am Tyler Mon in New York City is Sam Dykstra. Hi, Sam. Hi, Tyler. If, if we're going to wish people a happy Festivus, are we going to actually do the airing of grievances and the... You know, like what? maybe a, we should like last segment. Maybe we should air our grievances this this year. But okay, they just have to be with each other because they have to be with people that you're with. Oh, for sure. And then Gather we'll do around the around the table and list all the ways they have disappointed you. Yeah, and then we'll do the feats of strength off air. <laughs> we'll just be- battle it out. Yeah, because just yeah. lots of grunting is not great for audio formats, but you know. <laughs> I think I'm just going to edit that out and just use that that line. I'm just going <laughs> to drop it randomly in future episodes from now on. Lots of grunting. Um but yeah, no. We'll uh, maybe we'll maybe we'll save that for the end of the, the end of the episode. This is the 89th episode of the show before the show podcast from milb.com and it's uh, a new and different one. We wanted to do something kind of like this last year and then Things just got all kinds of hectic uh, over the the last couple of weeks of the year. We did our wish lists and we did some other stuff. But this year, I'm really excited for this. We're going to do two back-to-back year-in-review episodes. And Sam and I talked about this the last couple of weeks uh, leading into you know how we were going to put it together, how we were going to separate the interviews out. Um, but this is going to be a lot of fun. Kind of give us the, the breakdown of where we're headed with this, Sam. Yeah, so this week, uh, you know, I think this year, I think we got both lucky and we had a did a pretty good job of getting guys who eventually made their major league Let's, debuts. We Sam did a good job. Sam books the guests every week. Sam uh, lays out the, the list for three strikes. What we're going to talk to Ben about. He's the man. So you did a good job. Yeah. Well, this week I don't get to have, or I didn't have to do much. You're the one <laughs> doing all the editing and putting this all together. So where we get too ahead of ourselves, but uh, yeah, I think we did a, a pretty good job. Got lucky, whatever you want to call it of getting guys who made their major league debuts this year. Uh, I think we had a run there. You'll hear from them later between Ryan Healy and David Dahl. Uh, like the week after we talked to them, they got called up. So we got our own version of the Stephen Colbert bump here on the podcast. But uh, yeah, so that's what this we're going to focus on this week is just some of our favorite interviews from guys who eventually got called up to the show. Uh, you'll get to hear some of them talk about, you know, their anticipation for me maybe getting that call and just kind of seeing where they were uh, at the time. And then you can compare that yourself to what we know about them now, you know, specifically with guys like Albert Almora, Wilson Contreras, who have now gone on to win a world series uh, or Alex Bregman, who, you know, continued to be one of the most exciting players in the game, even after getting the bump to Houston. Uh, so that, that should be a lot of fun this week. Next week, we're going to kind of do, uh, just other newsmakers, other people who we just found interesting this year that we got to talk to, um, you know, whether it be, you know, the first female strength and conditioning coach with the Astros, Rachel Balkovec, or TJ Friedel, the Reds prospect, who just had a crazy story of nobody knew he was draft eligible until he signed with the Reds, uh, or Matt Bushman, you know, a minor league veteran who talked to us about making his major league debut and what it's like to be a minor league free agent and what it's like to, to ride the buses or, you know, travel all around the PCL for a while, hoping to get that chance. Yeah, do it for uh, so 10 years before you get that first major league call. Exactly. So that's how we're going to break it down. It's just some of our favorite in- interviews, uh, kind of our best of edition, stretched out over two weeks, uh, focusing this week, you know, th- this pre-Christmas, pre-Hanukkah week on, uh, uh, like I said, the debutantes, and then next week is just newsmakers before the uh, bringing of the new year. 
I'm excited for this one. Like I said, it's episode number 89, and before we get full-fledged into it, you can find the Show Before the Show podcast at MILB.com slash podcast. You can also follow us on iTunes and on the Stitcher app and give us a rating and a review and a subscription and all that stuff. So we'll download right to your phone every week or your mobile device or your, you know, Zune, whatever it is. Did Zunes even get podcasts? I don't think they did, right? I, I could not tell you. Zune always <laughs> seemed like it was like a cool thing. It was like the Sega Dreamcast. It seemed cool, but it was definitely the third in the market, and I just never yeah, got it. Yeah. So I couldn't tell you the first thing about a Zune. If there's anybody it, out there still using a Zune, if you're if you're listening yeah. to us on Zune and prove it to us, we yeah, will come up with some yeah, sort of let us know for you or something. We'll get you a Ben's Biz T-shirt that Sam and I don't own yet. Yeah, ben. that we'll have to purchase ourselves. Hint, hint. Through Ben. <laughs> <laughs> but you can find the podcast there and let us know uh, your feedback and you can get in touch with the show. Of course, podcast at MILB.com. Sam is on Twitter. He's at Sam Dykes or MILB. And I am on Twitter at Tyler Mon. And without further ado, we start off our very first 2016 in review episode in very fitting fashion with back-to-back Chicago Cubs who will be wearing gigantic rings coming 2017. They've already won them. They will be presented them, and we will be hearing their names for many years to come. Um, the way we're going to do this episode, we'll introduce and then kind of just transition between the prospects that are on this week's show, but we really just want to let these interviews speak for themselves based on kind of where they were in the minor league calendar uh, when we talked to these guys. So first up, is Chicago Cubs catcher Wilson Contreras. Now, Wilson joined the show on February 18th. So that's like a lifetime ago in baseball terms. But this is still maybe my favorite interview of this year because that was a guy at that time who was ready, knew it was going to be a breakout year for him. He was going into Major League Spring Training, really feeling good about himself and what he wanted to accomplish in 2016. And now, looking back on it 10 months later, it really things could not have gone much better for Wilson Contreras. I mean, this was one of my favorite ones all year, and it's really cool to look back on this one now from what we saw from him this year. Yeah, just kind of speaking personally, I think that he was our first native Spanish speaker on the podcast. Um, we've had a couple since, but uh, so you get to hear him talk his way through English. You know, we weren't quite sure how that was going to go, and he did phenomenally with that. Uh, but yeah, now he's definitely you know a mainstay in that Cubs lineup going into next year. Um, and at, you know, at the time we thought he might be the missing piece, but he still has some things to prove. It, it feels like he's proven them all and he's definitely going to be slotted into that, uh, opening day lineup. Uh, at least I would think, uh, that opening day lineup in Chicago next year when they, you know, fly that banner for the first time, uh, on the North side. Wilson Contreras, a Chicago Cubs catcher from episode 46. Here's what Wilson had to say. Really excited for our guest this week on the latest edition of the Minor League Baseball Podcast. One of the real rocket fire guys in the Chicago Cubs organization who had a breakout 2015 season. Catcher Wilson Contreras joins the show. Wilson, how's the offseason? How are you? Uh, good. My, my offseason was good down in Minnesota. I spent the time with my family and getting ready for a spring. So you get to go home, spend a little time with your family, um, and I know that uh, you've seen some time playing in the Winter Leagues in Venezuela and stuff. You also played in the Arizona Fall League uh, this past fall for Mesa and got some really good experience there, um, and that was on the back of a really, really good year with Tennessee. Um, 2015 is huge for you, and now that you're getting set for spring training, um, how much momentum, I mean, how excited are you coming off of a season like you had last year? I mean, I have no words of playing. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy to be in the 40-man roster with the Cubs. 
So I'm thankful. I, I'm thankful with the Cowboys for giving me the opportunity to play every day last year. And uh, I did what I was supposed to do. I just learned from the winter league, the 2014 season, and I put it on practice. And, and Wilson, what kind of work went into last year? You know, your uh, your numbers across the board made a big jump. Uh, it sounded like your defensive work uh, really improved behind the plate. What what work went into last year that made you, you know, make those jumps? Uh, home play, my my, I changed my approach. I, I started studying the the pitcher. I started uh, working the counts, looking for my, looking for my pitch to drive the ball to opposite field or got to bats. And behind the play was um I will I will start I just started working with the pitcher, start talking to them, and we just start going in the in the same pace. So that make the big the big difference. Yeah, and, and you mentioned playing behind the plate, you know, working with pitchers, that kind of thing. It's, it seems like previously in your career, uh, the Cubs have moved around you around a lot, some third base, some first base, even some outfield. Uh, you know, how comfortable are you now behind the plate as a catcher? I mean, I feel like to be a home, I feel too comfortable as a catcher. I like my position. I like to be, to stay focused. And now I'm, I'm in the spot where... I have to put my myself in a good and a good way to to the big league. So I'm working hard, I'm still working and working and everything. So I'm I'm a hard worker, and um, I'm here now uh, working on my still working with my different with Mike Porcello and Kim Cousins. They will help me help me a lot. Wilson, last summer you were already in the middle of a really good season, um, and in early August last year, I know Miguel Montero came down, spent about four games with you guys, um, and I remember talking to uh, to Ryan Williams for a story that we did last year about a really good start that he had, and he said one of the things uh, that really helped him was getting a chance to talk to Miguel Montero, hear kind of the opinion of a guy who had made it to the major leagues and all that kind of stuff. Being able to work with someone like Miguel in season, I know you caught a couple days in DH a couple days when he was there what was that like being in the same lineup as him and being able to learn from a guy like that for a few days it was awesome it was awesome i picked his brain up i started asking, asking questions and uh he's a really good guy i'm so thankful with him i appreciate what, what and, he, and then he gave me some tips that um i put in play i put it in play until last month so um, I still working with him, with him until asking questions because I want to know more about the big leagues, about the pitchers and the game. And w- speaking of you know working with major leaguers, you mentioned that you're in Arizona right now. Um, you know, reporting with pitchers and catchers. You've been added to the 40-man roster um, after the year you had last year. After this trip to spring training, right now, you know, early days still. How close do you feel to the major leagues right now? Uh, how close do I feel to me? I feel so close. I feel really, really close. Um, I'm working. I'm working on it. I, I came to the uh, to the spring train with with a goal to make the team. If I didn't make it, I, think I, I wouldn't mind because I know that I don't have experience with the big league. But um, I've been spending time with this pitcher, with the with the rest of the guys, the big leaguers, and I feel comfortable. I feel like at home. I feel like with my family. And um, like I say, I came with a goal to make the team. If I didn't make it, I wouldn't mind. 
And and after the year last year, you know, the Cubs had a lot of really good rookies last year with Chris Bryant, Addison Russell, uh, Javier Baez getting moved up, Jorge Soler. You know, the youth movement that's happening right now with the Cubs, how exciting is it to be a part of that and how much more is that motivation for you to make it to that next level? I really, really motivate, you know. They might they motivate me like like because um, I was I watch the game, I watch those games and uh, I mean I don't know how to explain how 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 much I want to be there, how much I want to help the team to win the to win the World Series. But I know sooner or later um I'll be there helping the team and um enjoy the time with them. Wilson, you are from Venezuela, got to go back to Venezuela for the offseason, um, and there was some news uh, for baseball fans as far as Venezuelan baseball goes a couple of weeks ago when uh, minor league baseball announced that the Venezuelan Summer League was not going to be operating this year. Um, you didn't play in the VSL. Uh, you were in the Dominican Summer League uh, in your rookie season as a professional, but so many guys, so much talent has come out of the Venezuelan Summer League. Um, what is the state of baseball like in Venezuela at this point? Because there's been obviously a whole range of uh, political issues and stuff that go on outside of baseball, but to see that league closed down with still so much talent coming out of it, um, when you look at kids who are, you know, 14, 15, 16 years old coming up right now, what is the state of baseball like in Venezuela? The the baseball is, is all favorite, favorite sport to play, so and there is a lot of guys, a lot of young talent, a lot of young, young guys who want to play in the big leagues, who has uh, a goals and they want to help their family so we just think about our family to get out of Venezuela and uh we just uh, we just like to work hard we just like to be smart with uh with our movement but um yes in Venezuela we have like a lot of, a lot of big talent a lot of young guys and when you look forward toward a, a season like this, where you know that you've got kind of the the chance to finally make an impact in the major league level, whether it's you know middle end of this season or into 2017, how excited are you? You know the fact that that's there, and your family could get to watch you playing at Wrigley Field and playing in a, a you know Cardinals Cubs game down the road. I mean, you're so close right now. How exciting is that for everything? Uh, you know, as far as your family and friends and the people that have helped you get to this level in your career, that that's now really really close for you. I'm I'm very very happy. I'm proud of myself for what I, the change that I've been making since I started catching in 2013. And uh, like I say, I'm still working on. I'm still working hard. Um, I go every day to the field and spend the time with the pitchers, spend time with the team. I start asking asking questions because I want to know how the games goes in the big leagues. I know and I know it's not the same to play like in the minor leagues. But um, I know that I'm so close, I know, and I'm so happy to be here. I'm so excited. And uh, we show them that I can play in the big leagues. And, Wilson, what's kind of your focus right now in spring training, you know, in, this, in the potential first couple months with Iowa or wherever you're headed? Um, what are you going to be focused on to make that jump? What do, what do you think is the mo- biggest area of your game that needs the most improvement if you're going to become a major leaguer this year? The game call. I'm just so focused to learn my pitches, to learn how they throw, how they how they like to work, and and getting the same pitch with them. Um, like I said, we talk to. I'm been talking to them. They talk to me. So that's that's gonna be my big uh my big my big uh job. I think. Yes. Uh, 
they start working in the same page with the pitcher, especially when uh, Venezuelan guys don't know, like, really don't know the the language. But um, I'm still working on it. Like, like I say, uh, um, I'm faithful. I'm proud of myself, and I wo- I'm ready to play in the big leagues. One of the most exciting prospects in the Chicago Cubs system and comes into 2016 as the top-ranked catching prospect in all of minor league baseball from MLB.com and the number 50 overall prospect and our first Venezuelan guest on the podcast, so we're really excited about that. Wilson, thanks so much for the time, and uh, enjoy Mesa, enjoy spring training, and we'll see you at the start of the season. Thank you, Ryan, very much. Thank you for your time. From one Chicago Cub to another, uh, Albert Almora was – a name that we heard and talked and focused on for so long in minor league baseball that it kind of felt like, man, at what point are we going to actually see Albert Almora break in? We had him on the show back in April. uh, And I remember as we're doing the interview, you think like, man, we've heard about Albert Almora for so long. Like this kid is so good. He was a first round pick. At what point is he going to break through? And when we had him on, I remember looking at his player page before we got him on the show 12 days earlier, we had him on April 28th, 12 days earlier, he had turned 22. Like, that's how good (laughs) and how long Albert Almora has been good. But he was fun to talk to because not only did we get a chance to talk about, you know, kind of what life was like in AAA, he was getting acclimated to to the AAA level at that point, but also the Cubs are so loaded in the outfield where he was going to slot in. And then I, of course, really like to nerd out on the USA baseball conversation with him because he's played for like six different national teams. He was really fun to talk to. Yeah, and and that's kind of interesting to think about, too, in terms of the WBC coming up. I don't think Albert Almora is really on the depth chart at this point in his career for the Team USA. But, uh, you know, he- hearing him talk about that, that's probably what's going to be going on, you know, in, in the back of some people's minds going into spring. So uh, it might not seem incredibly relevant right now, but if you look at it through that lens, it definitely will be. Uh, and it's just fun to think about Almora, you know, the guy who can- – had a, a big pinch running situation in game seven. Um, you know, now you'll be able to hear him from back in April when we, like you said, Tyler, when we asked him about how do you see yourself fitting into the Cubs outfield situation that seemed so packed at the time and still seemed so packed by the end, he kind of forced his way in there with his good defense and his, you know, solid speed. So, uh, you know, what that means for him in 2017, we'll, we'll have to kind of see. Um, you kind of feel like he might, be he'll get plenty of reps in center field whether that means he'll be with Jason Hayward or not I don't I'm not sure but uh yeah definitely a fun year that followed this interview with him uh as you guys will be able to hear right now Last year, we talked about as the year of the prospect all over baseball, but a place where it was especially felt was in the Chicago Cubs organization. And from that system, we welcome in this week's edition's guest on the show before the show podcast, Albert Almora, who entered the 2016 season as the number five ranked prospect in the Cubs organization, according to MLB Pipeline. Albert, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, man. Thanks for having me on. Doing Absolutely, well. man. Thanks for being on with us. This is uh first trip through for AAA for you, and you and I got a chance to talk last week after your first AAA homer. You guys have been playing some really good games. At times, you know, it's been uh, kind of a rough go, which in AAA seems like it happens more often than not where you play a lot of those really tight tough games where you know you're playing well and the breaks don't necessarily go your way but offensively you guys have looked really really good uh times over the last few days especially and for you individually it's been a great start for the season through 17 games hitting 344 a couple of homers now ops of 889 what has the first foray been like for you in a triple a uh it's been a great experience so far you know uh, 
like I said last time we spoke, we I've been having a lot of fun with these group of guys. So uh, it's just it's it's awesome to wake up uh, with go eager, really eager to go to the field and work. So I'm having a lot of fun right now and uh, can't wait to keep going. And Albert, kind of going back to last year, you know, I was looking at your numbers at Tennessee. Uh, just the way you kind of ended the season in, in August, you were hitting 352 uh, with a 413 on base percentage, a 504 slugging percentage. It seemed like you really turned it on there in that final month. Um, what what was it like? You know, uh, how were you able to end the season so strong, and how were you able to carry that into this year? Um, to be honest with you, man, it was, confidence was a big thing for me, and uh, I think team team USA helped me out a lot. You know, it was kind of uh, like a refresh button that I hit, and um, you know, just coming back, being having you know a bunch of uh, confidence in myself that I could play this game, that, that I'm good at what I do, and then it just I just that's what I that's what I'm doing right now. It's just uh, just playing the game the same way the same game I played in high school, the same way I played in little league, just having a lot of fun, and having that confidence. Albert, since you led into it right there kind of perfectly, we were going to ask you about all your experience with USA Baseball because people may not know that you are the all-time leader in USA Baseball appearances. You played on six Team USA, Teams USA, I guess, before you were uh, drafted and signed. And then last year got experience in the Pan Am games, and obviously you guys finished with the silver and you know a crazy gold medal game last year. But that's such yeah. high-level experience. And people probably don't understand – just what all it takes to get involved at the national team level, but to not only do that, but then do it six times before pro ball. What is that lent to you as far as being able to get some of that big time baseball experience under your belt? You know, even before you got into the minors, not going to college, all that kind of stuff. Man, to be honest with you, I think team USA, team USA helped me mature so much on and off the field. You know, I was, uh, I went to Taiwan at the age of 15 on my own, you know, with the team, but like, well, my parents or anything like that. So it was something different. And it's, uh, you know, helped me mature real quick, and uh, I met a lot of great, great teammates throughout the throughout the way, and um, played against a lot of great players, you know, all over the world. And um, I don't know, man, it's something about wearing USA across your across your chest is just it's so special, you know. And and I've always said it that any opportunity to have to to wear that jersey, I'm I'm gonna take it, you know. And uh, the the Cubs were really helpful in letting me go to the Pan Ams last year, and. Uh, I'll be I'll be very grateful for them to, for letting me do that and yeah like you said it was a, it was a crazy experience last year and um, wish we would have got the gold but uh, that was awesome it was awesome to be out there and to be a part of that whole experience and how do you get involved in that first when you were a teenager I mean it, it, it's a different process than being drafted there's all sorts of major league scouts who come up to see you in high school that kind of thing yeah. how do you get involved in Team USA how do they kind of reach out to you well. It was when I started. My first team USA was when I was 13 years old. So, um, and if I remember correctly, when I was uh, they had like a big trial. So they had like this big tournament, big event where the every team, whatever team could you know that wants to go can go, and you play to win. Obviously that, but then there's USA scouts there recruiting guys, and uh, I was lucky enough to get you know selected to be a part of the a trial. And then when I went to that trial, then obviously I made the team, and that's where it all started. And then every year, uh, you know, I had an opportunity. I made the trial, and uh, I made the team. So that's how it started. Yeah. And to kind of pivot towards, you know, staying around that age, you know, your teenage years, um, you get drafted mm -hmm. in the first round, 2012, by the Cubs. Um, you've kind of, mm -hmm. since that time, in those four years since, you've kind of seen this Cubs organization grow from a you know team that was at the bottom of the NL Central into – 
you know, obviously a contender now, and you're almost right there, you know, at tri- at the AAA level. What is, what was it like when you were first got drafted by the Cubs, and what is it like now? I mean, it was I was I was so blessed to be to be uh to be chosen by the Cubs. You know, I felt like it was a family from the beginning, and it still is, and it's even closer now as we speak. So, I've been I've been so fortunate, man. It's just, it's been a great experience. I feel like I'm right where I need to be. You know, I'm, I'm happy where I'm at, and uh, it's just very exciting. It's a very exciting future. Albert, when you look at kind of the next steps for you um, personally, I mean, the thing that's crazy is you've you know been in pro ball now since 2012. You've reached AAA, but you're still only 22 years old. Um, what is the the step that you most want to see yourself accomplish in 2016? Because so many guys at the AAA level, you know, I think probably end up discovering about themselves things that maybe they didn't know uh, from rookie ball all the way through AA. What is it about 2016 that you really want to get accomplished? Oh, that's a great question, man. I mean, there's so many, you know. I feel like I'm really hard on myself, and I, I expect the best from me all the time. So that's, that's a tough. I just I want to – the biggest thing for me is trying to help the team win no matter what, and that's that's obviously the goal for everybody, every every guy. So, but for me, I don't know. It's the same thing. It's a, I know I can't get four hits every day, but uh, the days I don't, I could, you know, I save a run in defense or something or base run and make a base running – like a move that I can help the team win. So something, you know, try, just try to help the team win. And uh, personal things, that, that, that comes and goes. But uh, the team is what matters. And at the end of the year, it's if you win or not, that's what, I, that's what I care about. Well, just kind of looking at some of the scouting reports on you, it seems like your best tool right now might be your defense. Everybody likes talking about, you know, your defense in center field. Uh, kind of describe what, what is it like playing center field? How do you get ready to be a good defender in, in center um, what are the things you have to kind of work on to become, you know, a really, really good defender out there? Oof, uh, I mean, I, I take, I, like, I, like you said, I take real, I, a big pride in my defense. So uh, I'm always trying to work on my defense, you know, and it, uh, it starts in, to me, it starts before it, before the game. You know, the, you, you look at the weather, you see how the wind's blowing and if, uh, if it's hot and humid or it's windy and, and um, it's it's a bunch of factors. Um, and then once the game starts, you know, it's just no situation. Try to think of what's going to happen before it happens. And uh, that's with men on, without men on, what the situation of the game's indicating. So just try to be the student of the game as the game's going on. And, you know, it's a, it makes the go the game go by way faster when you're when you're into it the whole time. And I love it. I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a challenge every game. You know, and then. I just love it, man. Yeah, and and uh, this spring was your second one, I think, with the big league club. You got a little taste of, of what it's like to be up there for a little time. Um, what was it like being up there w- with this group of outfielders that the Cubs have right now? You know, they brought back Dexter Fowler. Everybody saw that video. Everybody was so excited to have him back. And they bring in mm-hmm. another really good defender with Jason Hayward. Um, what did you kind of take from those guys this spring? And how do you kind of see yourself playing into that group? I mean, the what I took from those guys, those guys are, are all, first off, they were great human beings, you know, and they, they took me under and then they, they helped me with whatever I had, any questions that I had, anything. They, they were, were honest and they helped me a lot. So, uh, they gave me good pointers and some of it wasn't even about defense or baseball. It was just about life and being, you know, just, just being you. And uh, that meant a lot to me. And, uh, to be honest, man, it's, it's 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 great. It's great to have those guys. Just, you know, it's it's one of the best outfielders in baseball right now. I feel like you know, just with them too. And, and um, I mean, I 
I just I, to be a part of the same outfit with them is just, it's a it's a really humbling experience. And one thing I learned the other day, which you'll fit in well with as well, the tallest outfield in Major League history also, which is a good thing to know. And Albert's 6'2", so you, you got that pretty well on lock as well. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that, man. <laughs> Albert Almora is on Twitter. He is at Albert Almora, which is an easy one compared to what we normally have to spell out for people on Twitter handles, so I very much like that. He's with the AAA Iowa Cubs right now and off to a great start in 2016. And Albert, congrats on, uh, on the start to the year, and best of luck the rest of the way, man. We appreciate the time. Yeah, man. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Then number five, Chicago Cubs prospect Albert Almora. Like we were saying, he'll be getting a huge ring along with his teammate Wilson Contreras who led off this week's edition of the podcast. And we will uh, leave the Cubs organization behind for the first time in this week's edition of the show. And we'll go from the organization that ended up being the top organization in baseball in the World Series champion Chicago Cubs to a top prospect in baseball, Alex Bregman, who is rated the number one prospect in all the game really was another guy who it wasn't a matter of if it was a matter of when in 2017 for him and Alex has been very very good to us in talking to us over the course of his minor league career and the thing that I like about Alex Bregman is he has a very introspective mindset that seems to come very easily to him like he doesn't give a lot of cliched hackneyed answers like you can tell it's stuff that he really puts in a lot of thought about about where he is in his career what he needed to do to develop all that kind of stuff and I think that really came across in this interview but it's so weird to think about the fact that he was as far as his career goes this is one of the last real stages of his minor league career in which we talked to Alex Bregman this is on episode number 60 of the podcast which came back in late May it was on May 26th and uh, I don't think we're ever going to see him again in the minor leagues after that. <laughs> I don't think so unless we uh, cover a rehab appearance which we don't wish on anybody because uh, that means injury but yeah definitely uh, the thing I, I liked about this too is uh, you could just see how analytical he is in his own approach and talking about Absolutely. you know why he's finding success, you know what field he's hitting to. Uh, sometimes you'll hear guys just say, oh, I need to hit to all fields. He kind of goes a little more in depth, uh, which I think is helpful because the game is turning so analytical anyways, uh, particularly off the field. You know, A lot of people are reading fan graphs and stuff, and a lot of people want to turn their nose up and say, oh, well, that's not how the game is played. You just need to see the ball, hit the ball. When you hear players talk about it and the way Bregman does – it, I think it opens up a couple of people's eyes saying, well, you know what? This is probably how the game is actually going. So uh, with a guy who's had you know, the run of success he's had both in the minors now in the major league level as the third baseman for the Astros, uh, a lot of fun to kind of go back and listen to him. Alex Bregman, top prospect in the Astros system from back in May. All right, joining us this week on uh, this version of the Show Before the Show podcast is Astros top prospect Alex Bregman uh, calling in from Corpus Christi. Alex, how is it going so far today? Going great, man. How's everything with you? Good, good. So, yeah, thanks for joining us. You've been uh, one of the hottest hitters of the, the Meyer League season this year, first full season, obviously. Um, how would you kind of describe these first two months for you? It's been good. Um, it's, been, it's, been a, it's been a fun time so far. I'm just trying to keep it going. Um, I think uh, the, the, the good side is just to do a lot of preparation this offseason, a lot of hard work, and uh, generally just determination. And uh, a lot of uh, a lot of people helped out this offseason with uh, getting ready, whether it's strength or nutrition or um, or in the cage. Just hit. Um, so big thanks to them and just uh, having fun there. Yeah, and, and before we get into what you've done this season, kind of take us back to that that preparation. What 
kind of preparation does go in for a season where you're pre- preparing? I mean, you're used to playing college ball um, where it's just a couple months. This is an entire summer um, going into the fall. Uh, what kind of preparation work did you kind of put in this off season? You know, I, at the beginning of the off season, um, sat down with the, the strength coach and nutritionist and, and figured out how I was going to get my body in the best possible possible. Um, the most lean spot, and able to play shortstop. And, um, you know, I got, I got all the way up to 205 pounds, still flexible, running, running, and uh, the work that we put in and, yeah and now kind of coming into this season um when you're talking about strength and conditioning uh you know everybody likes to talk about the 12 homers um you've homered five times i think in the last nine games um, what's kind of gone into that kind of power increase you've kind of had so far this year? Yeah, it goes back to this off season. Um, sitting down with, with my with my guys from back home and uh, that I've grown up with, um, heading with, and uh, we said that uh, we always we always talk about the season, on the low line all around the field, all the time. And, uh, drive the baseball and I mean I, I've just been the ball to the right side of the field it's going to be on the line it's going to be on the line trying to hit a double and if it's uh, to the full side of the field it's going to be in there and um, this has been a big change for me a lot and I think every every college every college series I thought oh yeah you need to stay on top of the ball and on the line uh, that's exactly how I thought, and then this year it just changed to uh, just to really driving the baseball and and um, just seeing it, man. Been been seeing it well. Yeah, and and uh, what has it kind of been like to go up against Double A pitching? I mean, a lot of people talk about you know Double A pitching is when you start, first start to see guys who are major league quality. Um, you know, these are guys sometimes with major league experience. Uh, and yet, you've kind of hit the ground running here so far. Um, what has your experience been so far with Double A pit, pitching uh, specifically? Definitely. I mean, there's this, this is a great league. There's uh, eight teams in it, so we got to play each other a lot. So you're, gonna, you're facing the same good arms all the time, and they've got a book on you. You got them, so it's a constant cat and mouse game. But um, the arms in this league have, have been good. It's uh, definitely the, the best arms I've faced. Um, but I think I'm ready for it, and I put in a Putting the work, putting the preparation, and it's paying off so far, and hopefully it keeps it keeps going. Yeah, and I, I remember going to Astro Spring training this year. I, I got to talk a little bit with Carlos Correa. I think that was the day you were sent down to minor league camp, and he said he had kind of had a dinner with you um, just to talk over what it was like to be a pro. What, what was that dinner like? It was fun. It was very interesting, and uh, we just sat and talked about the game and talked about. Talked about uh, what we do, everything wise, uh, what, what's helping. Uh, and uh, it, it was fun, man. It was a blast. I got to know them a lot better. Um, and uh, I think we're, we're we're good buddies now. We talked uh, we've talked throughout the season, and um, hopefully hopefully we'll be teammates here pretty soon. Yeah. I mean, what advice particularly stood out that he gave you there? 
teammates soon I mean one thing it seems like the Astros have kind of done with you lately has been move you over to third um, potentially you know to fill up that left side of the infield how has that transition gone um, you know mixing in third base with you know shortstop which you've been playing all year kind of repeat that uh, I'll edit it a little later but it, you were kind of cutting in and out and then I think the last the only the first thing I heard was the control what I can control bit sorry about that no it's all good I said I feel very comfortable at third base um I played there for team USA when I was 18 years old and um getting back over there uh the ball just gets on you a little bit quicker but uh I mean I feel 100% comfortable over there, uh, over there right now and so uh I feel like I can contribute at the big league level there. Um, uh, but like I said before, I just want to control what I can control, and that's working hard every single day. Mm-hmm. And what was that uh, process like when they came to you to say, hey, we're going to give you a shot over there? I, 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 was, I was ecstatic. Um, I'll play anywhere they want me to play. Um, I, uh, I just love the game of baseball. I want, I want to win. Um, that's the thing. Um, I think this year, I don't know the exact numbers, but when uh, – when we've been playing, we've been we've been winning. Or we win a lot here in Corpus and the Astros in the Astros organization. We have a lot of winners on the team, and that's uh that's one thing I really take pride in is winning. Yeah, and I, I talked to JD Davis earlier this week. He was talking about how this team's kind of come together. You know, you were part of that talented Lancaster team for a little bit last year. Um, what is it about that core that that's kind of stuck together there? You know, at Corpus right now. Um, how have you guys kind of come together and put on a, pr- a pretty good winning streak right now? Yeah, I mean, we just we just feel fulfilled every day, ready to work, ready to get better at the game that we all love, and uh, we just we just play the game to win, play every pitch to win, and um, everyone in this clubhouse is going to continue to do that for the rest of the year. And uh, just just kind of take us back to last year. You know, June is coming up here. Um, it is a draft. Draft month is kind of upon us. Uh, you were taken second overall, obviously, last year. What was the draft process like for you um, coming out of LSU? Oh, it was, it was awesome. Uh, it was a blast. One day, it was one of my one of my goals one of my goals was reached of being drafted by uh, by a professional baseball team and um, being able to play. Austin kind of gave me a little bit of a chip on my shoulder um, being taken second. Uh, it, what, uh, what was it like when you were kind of gaining momentum? You started hearing your name at the top of of lists like that. Um, you know, what, 
does any of it, or how do you kind of try to block that out when you're when you're a potential high draft pick like that? Yeah, I think you just worry about winning. Uh, I think you worry about winning and helping your team win if you possibly can. And um, I think uh, the best comes down to people when they worry about winning and worrying about the team. So that's that's all I try to do. And uh, let's just kind of finish you up on this one. Uh, you know, right now as we enter today, you've got a 320 average, 424 on base percentage. I think you've got the highest OPS in the minors. You know, if we were to tell you before the season – you know, this is how your first two months would go. How would you kind of react? I'd be I'd be happy with it, but not satisfied. Um, I know that I, I could be a lot better than I have been, and uh, I know that I still have a lot to work on. Um, but at the same time, I feel very ready to contribute at um, at the big league level, and um, I'm just going to keep keep working hard until that day comes. Mm-hmm. And when you say you still have things to work on, what do you think is the biggest thing that needs work in your game right now? Um, I'd say all phases of the game. I think as, as a baseball player, um, uh, you, you, you constantly have to want to get better in every phase of the game. You've got to constantly want to improve if you want to be great at this game. And um, you, you really just have to try and improve in every single area, every chance you get, and that's all I'm going to try and do. All right. Well, that, that was Alex Bregman, Astros' top prospect, uh, playing right now for the A Corpus Christi Hooks. Uh, Alex, good luck tonight, and uh, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me, man. Well, we go from a guy who was the top-ranked prospect in baseball and Alex Bregman to really among this list of guys in this look back at 2016, maybe the only guy who wasn't just a, a blue chipper, I mean a top-five organizational prospect or a top-ten prospect in all of baseball, and still is one of the guys of this group who had arguably the best season at the major league level of any of them, Ryan Healy, uh, a prospect in the Oakland Athletics organization, a third base, first base, corner infield guy, and a system that's loaded with those types of players. Ryan Healy was in the midst of already a very good season uh, with AAA Nashville in 49 games, a 318, 362, 505 slugging percentage with AA Midland in 36 games, 338, 409, 628. Then he jumps up to the big leagues in 72 games with the A's, 305, 337, 524. I mean, Ryan Healy did not miss a beat. And it was fun for us because that system has produced a lot of talent over the last few seasons, the last couple of years that we've been doing the podcast. But I think a lot of it's flown under the radar comparatively with some of the other organizations that have graduated such top-level upper echelon talent. But Ryan Healy's a guy who comes from in the 20s in the prospect rankings in the A's system and makes a huge impact at the major league level. Yeah, and a uh, fun thing for me for this one was I think we talked to him after the Futures game. Uh, right. he, was a guy, he was a guy who got an invitation, and you can kind of hear it in his voice, or you will hear momentarily if he didn't the first go-around, uh, you know, just how excited he was to be in that and just what it meant for his career and what it meant you know, kind of for his family and uh, that whole thing. He is a California kid, so you know, getting to play in San Diego, all of that uh, was, seemed like it was pretty neat for him. Uh, and then to go from that to being – a legitimate, you know, major leaguer, uh, a guy, you know, Tyler ran off his stats, but he hit 27 home runs this year between the minors and the majors. He had never hit 16 in a year before, and that came in the California league. So, you know, this is a guy who's now on the up and up uh, and, and a little bit of a reminder of as much as we get bogged down in prospect rankings, guys can still surprise us. And he certainly had one of those breakout years that, uh, you know, do kind of catch us off guard, but uh, are always ple- uh, pleasing to see. 
We are officially past the midway point of everything that isn't short season ball in the uh, the major league and minor league calendars now, and we are joined for this week's edition of the Show Before the Show podcast by the Oakland Athletics number 16 prospect. That's Ryan Healy, who was fresh off an appearance at the Futures game over the weekend in San Diego. Ryan, welcome back to uh, to reality. I would imagine it was a fun weekend out of San Diego. Oh, it was a blast being quite close to home, having friends and family out. Couldn't have been better. So tell us about the experience. Uh, the Futures game, obviously, I mean, one of the most uh, prestigious honors that you can experience as a minor leaguer. You get to go out there, take part in the entire game, um, but it's more than just that. I mean, you guys, as rosters for the U.S. and the world, you get to go out and kind of have the the mini Major League All-Star experience. Just kind of take us through the weekend. I'll be honest, uh, the San Diego citizens and the people that are running the Padres Park, they did an amazing job of making you feel like not only you were comfortable there, but you felt like a big leaguer. So I've had numerous friends that have done this in the past, and they gave me nothing but words of encouragement and kind things to say about it. And I think experiencing it firsthand made it that much sweeter. Um, being that close to home was awesome. I probably had upwards of 50 to 60 friends and family there to to watch it all go down. But the facilities there are bar none. So, I mean, that made it that much sweeter, and the weather couldn't have been any better. And just kind of take us back to when you found out. I mean, it, we talk to a lot of guys and we hear about how they hear about promotions or, you know, getting that call to the big leagues, that kind of thing. How do you find out about getting to the futures game? And specifically for you, how do you put all that together when you have that many friends and family expected to come? Oh, my head was spinning. I mean, I found out when I was playing a, a card game pluck with three of my other teammates and my manager and my hitting coach walk over and say, Oh, Ryan, he was representing us on the USA team for the futures game. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? Who is? Me? <laughs> so I kind of had to let it sink in. And then I walked outside. I called my parents, called family, friends, girlfriends, agents, just kind of let everyone know. I was like, everyone had a million questions, but I had no answers. So I said, hey, guys, I have news, but nothing to follow that. So hang on tight, and I'll let you know when I figure more out. And uh, take us through the game itself. Uh, you know, you had a, a solid afternoon there. I think you were two or three, threw in a double. Um, off Alex Reyes, a guy who you would face a little bit, I think. Uh, I have uh, faced Alex Reyes probably way too much for my life. <laughs> that's the first time that I have gotten a hit off him. So him and I have actually formed a relationship over the last couple of years of facing each other and seeing each other outside of the ballpark. So really, really awesome guy and even a better player. So, you know, you really enjoy just competing with guys like that. And he gave me a little smile when I was on third base. So um, I think we we're all enjoying ourselves. Yeah, I was going to say, how do you how do you turn on a 99-mile-an-hour fastball and turn it into a double like that, especially on a stage like that? You know, I wish I could give you an explanation, but it kind of just happens. It's one of those things where just your reactions <laughs> take over, and once you're rounding first base, I'm going, how the heck did I just hit that pitch? <laughs> Ryan, when you uh, so. are part of a, an experience like that, um, you were the, the lone A's member of the U.S. roster uh, over on the world side. There are so many talented guys, you know, like Alex Reyes that you mentioned, that guys who you have seen throughout your career – but who are some of the guys who maybe you hadn't been exposed to, you know, whether it was teammates or opponents uh, in the Futures game that you really, you know, liked watch taking BP or liked watching on the mound? Um, you know, who kind of stood out to you from some of these other young stars that are up and coming? You know, I saw Alex Bregman play a little bit in the beginning, and he's just the easy one to say stood out because of how well he did and how good of a player he is. But the one guy that I really enjoyed talking to was Dansby Swanson. For being the number one overall pick, he was a very humble human being, um, very – willing to learn and discuss the game of baseball wasn't about himself at all. And him and I had great conversations through the course of the game. So I really enjoyed getting to know him along with, I already knew Hunter Dozier and Hunter Renfro. So 
we all had really good times hanging out. And then Ryan Stanek, another guy that I played with throughout college. So a lot of familiar faces in the, in the clubhouse and on the field in the dugout. So I think we all enjoyed ourselves in everyone's company. When you are taken away from, uh, you know, the routine of a minor league season to go take part in something like that, uh, we hear, you know, especially this week, there's been so much discussion about how for the Major League All-Stars, it's really not a break. Um, I mean, the, the Major League guys go and they take part in all these events and they go play in the game. And then, you know, there's a day off on the back end, but most of the time those guys are traveling. Um, but in the minor league season, it's got to be a really cool break in the, the monotony of the schedule. What has it been like? Like, I mean, your last minor league game now uh, was for AAA Nashville back on the 8th, getting, you know, taken away, kind of this dream experience, then all of a sudden you get thrown back into the PCL grind. What's that been like? You know, it's, it was kind of a stressful process because you go out of your comfort zone. You don't know what to expect. Not to mention I come home and I have nothing but family and friends that need entertaining. So trying to figure out what kind of time I have available and then also what what stuff I need to do for the future's games and to please everyone. So, trying to please a lot of people and ended up working out. I had some great support systems that just helped with a lot of the extracurricular things that I didn't want to deal with, so they were great with that. But um, once it all came together, honestly, once I got on the field on Sunday, everything just kind of made sense again. It was just like, okay, this is home. I know how to do batting practice. I know how to hang on the clubhouse, and I know how to play games. So everything else was more difficult than the actual game, but um, tomorrow I'll go and join my team in El Paso for the opening series, second half, and then uh, things will start to make sense again in our world. And uh, just to get a little bit of the focus back onto the regular season, what helped you earn your spot in the Futures game? Um, you know, you split this year between Nashville and Midland. It seems like a little bit of a breakout year for you. You've hit 14 homers already. Uh, we're halfway through the season, only two more, and you you know tie your career high. You're hitting 325 between those two levels. What kind of work in this off season or spring training or what's been different about this year for you or what's gone into this breakout from your end? You know, I kind of got to a point where I got through the off season and I didn't get a big week invite and I kind of had a feeling it was a make or break year for me um, as a 24 year old being on the cusp of a prospect, non-prospect kind of guy. And it was time for me to really either step up or step aside and was getting to that point where I needed to really make a big change and some of the things that I do as a player. So I spent a lot of time this offseason studying film, talking to major league baseball players, um, people that played numerous years in the big leagues. Um, a couple of guys that are really impactful was um, Ed Sprague that was hired by the A's. That's kind of a mentor Rover guy. So he has helped me a ton, played similar positions that I played in the major leagues for upwards of eight to 12 years and around that. So him and I still talk religiously. And then Kevin Pilar, one guy that I trained with in the offseason and talked to throughout the course of the year, um, their two hitting instructor there, um, Tewksbury, I think it is, helps a lot of the guys along with Donaldson and um, and Carlos Young and Batista and even Kevin was going through. So him and I were going through similar adjustments together. Um, once things started to click through the course of spring, it kind of caught fire once I got to Midland, and I just tried to run with it as far as I could and really write everything down that I was feeling and thinking and just kind of keep that in my memory book and have that as a reference for when things go south because – in baseball, they always do go south, and as soon as you can climb back north as possible, obviously that's a that's what makes you a better baseball player. So, so at what point this season did it feel like things had kind of clicked, or you know, was there one particular note you had taken, you know, taken that advice from those guys? Um, was there one specific spot or anything like that where it felt like this was a, a big year um, and things were finally clicking for you? I honestly don't even think I've had that realism yet. I haven't allowed myself to feel the. You know, the success that I've had so far, I don't really sit back and enjoy what I've done just because the season's so long, it's impossible to 
enjoy what's already happened because I mean, you wake up the next morning, it's a new day, a new game. So you really have to take the ups and the downs with a grain of salt and sweep it off and do it again the next day, whether it's a walk-off home run or a 0 for 4 with four strikeouts, which both have been done this year. So you really have to treat them both like the same and wake up the next morning with a, a positive mindset ready to do it all over again, hopefully the positive, not the negative. Ryan, in the system right now with you, there are a lot of good guys who are uh, at corner infield spots, and you've seen time, obviously, at first and third, and is a DH in AAA so far. Um, but, you know, there's Matt Olson, who can play a little bit in the outfield, also plays first base. Matt Chapman plays third base. Renato Nunez plays third base. There's so many guys who are at the similar spots in their careers and also similar positions, and a lot of people obviously would view that as a challenge, is how is the pathway clear for all of you guys to make that ascension to Oakland? But I would imagine there's a ton of benefit in that, too, in that you guys can sort of commiserate, bounce things off each other, learn from each other. How does that dynamic work with so much of that talent right now at AA and AAA in the A's system? You really have to put your ego aside in the sense that you're not essentially competing against each other. You're competing against the game of baseball because there's 29 other teams out there that may not have a Matt Chapman or Matt Olson or Ronald Nunez or Ryan Healy, for that matter. So you're really out there competing against the game and improving your skills as much as humanly possible. And if one of those players has knowledge about something that I don't, then we'll try and share knowledge and learn from our mistakes and go from there. But it really has to be more, and it sounds really selfish, and that's not how I'm trying to say it, but individualized in the sense of your development and allow the team, the teamwork and the winning to kind of come along with that because I've heard numerous times that you know, you're there to perfect your skills, and that's what the minor leagues is for. You talk to managers and You've, you only failures you have is the ones that you don't learn from. So I think we've all done a good job of helping one another, and I really think that all of them are going to be big leaguers, whether it's with the Oakland A's or not. You never know, and that's just the reality of baseball nowadays. But um, you really have to put your, your selfishness aside and be willing to help people around you, and I think that comes back around and helps you also. And, uh, Ryan, we'll, we'll leave you on this one. Um, you know, you talked about how, you know, necessarily it might not be with the A's that you – You'd be making, you know, major league debut, or you've got all these guys who could potentially move and all that kind of stuff. But in this A system, you know, it's the only system you've known so far. It's it's certainly one that comes with a reputation um, of Moneyball and all that, with Billy Bean at the top. I mean, they made a movie out of it and all that. Uh, but what is it like to be a prospect in the A system? What can you kind of tell us about what their kind of machinations are? What it, what it's like, you know, as a guy who's come up from you know, a draft pick all the way up to AAA now, what it's like to be a prospect there. It's a lot of fun to be a homegrown guy. I think anywhere you are, um, you've known the system and everyone that's in it from trainers to coaches to managers to everyone, uh, strength coaches through and through from the beginning to now. And it's a lot of fun to build relationships with all these people that um, you get to see on a daily basis and makes going to the office that much more enjoyable every day. And, I mean, the more people you add, it's just more fun to have. The amount of homegrown guys that we have in our national team right now is pretty incredible because of how close we've been over the last three years. And the success that we've had has made baseball that much more enjoyable. So, you know, learning is always more fun when you're winning. So I think that we've done a great job at that, and the Oakland A's have really instilled that in their farm system and continue to grow. 
Ryan Healy, the Oregon Ducks product, is a uh, kind of a new addition to Twitter over the last few days at RC Healy 25, but he's already verified, which is awesome. We just give him a follow from the MILB account, so you can find Ryan there. And by the way, uh, there was a really cool tweet during the Futures game that went out. MLB tweeted out a screenshot from the broadcast. Um, you guys were using some really cool bats from Blast Motion that provided a whole lot of crazy data on you know swing speeds and you know, obviously the exit velocity and all that kind of stuff that we've grown accustomed to with uh, with Statcast. But um, Ryan. Ryan's swing speed during the Futures game was 74.9 miles per hour. The Major League average is 69.6, so that's pretty cool. Uh, so go follow Ryan on Twitter. And Ryan, we can't thank you enough for making a few minutes for us, and uh, congratulations on, on all the success this season, the Futures game appearance, and we'll be watching in Nashville the rest of the way. Best of luck. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for your time. Have a great day. So Ryan Healy joined us on episode number 67, which was back on July 14th and was called up to the major leagues and made his debut on July 15th. The following week, we were joined by David Dahl, who was at that time the Rockies number two prospect. Uh, And that episode, episode number 68, was back on July 21st. Dahl was just scorching through AAA Albuquerque at that stretch. On the 21st, he joined the show. On the 25th, he made his major league debut. So you're welcome, Ryan Healy and David Dahl. Yeah, definitely. I'd, I'd look. I'd like to think that the A's and Rockies podcast or uh, front offices are listening to this podcast <laughs> and being like, "Oh yeah, that, that Ryan Healy. We hadn't thought we about it. We gotta call him, that guy up. We hadn't even yeah, thought sure. about it. Yeah, that David Dahl, that that first round pick we made in 2012. I forgot about him. Let's. Let's get him up here. Dahl uh, was pretty similar, at least in in the final analysis of his season. The The game distribution was different, but what he did at the major league level was really similar to what Healy was able to do for the A's. Started the year with double-A Hartford, and we talk a lot about the Hartford situation with David Dahl because he played 76 games in double-A, slash 278, 367, 500. And keep in mind did it while never being home. That team did not have a home ballpark in 2016. They traveled the entire year. So we talk about that a lot with David. Then he jumps up to AAA Albuquerque, gets hits in 15 of his 16 games in AAA, batted 484, 529, 887, gets called to Colorado, never looks back, 63 games in the major leagues, 315, 359, 500, flash some pop, seven homers at the major league level, 18 homers combined between the minors and majors this year, like Sam was talking about with Ryan Healy. Uh, for Dahl, who's a, really ultimately a center field prospect but can play anywhere in the outfield, a very, very versatile player, a very dynamic athlete, and another guy who I think so often we have interviews where guys can give kind of their own unique perspective on the minor leagues, but with Dahl and the Hartford situation, that was one of the most unique perspectives in baseball regardless of who a player was. Yeah, and, and I'm kind of glad we had this included this week because the Hartford situation was such a, a stick-out story, particularly in the first half of the year. I think the second half of the year, you know, you can't really drag it up anymore. But if we're going to be doing a yearly recap of this kind of stuff, uh, to hear a player talk about that si- uh, situation, that scenario, uh, especially because that's happened a lot lately. Uh, you know, you look back at Scranton Wilkes-Barre was on the road for an entire year, um, you know, stuff like that. I think El Paso had to wait a little while. Uh, Biloxi, definitely. So, you know, it's good to have that perspective on this, especially for, you know, not just a standout player like Dahl, but to hear his perspective on such a big uh, situation for both his development and his teammates. Uh, you know, to hear that, it, it, it's a good wrap-up on the year, I think. So you can you guys will be hearing that right now. 
headed out to the AAA Pacific Coast League and the uh, home of the Albuquerque Isotopes. Albuquerque, New Mexico is where we find Rocky Centerfield prospect and the second-ranked prospect in the Colorado organization, according to MLB Pipeline, David Dahl, who's, you know, pretty decent introduction to AAA so far. He's batting 5'11", 5'69", 1022 is his slash line. David, first couple of weeks in AAA, hell of an introduction. How are you? I'm doing really well. How are you guys? We're good, man. Thanks a ton for joining us. It's been, uh, obviously, I would imagine a whirlwind couple of weeks. Uh, You get the call up from AA Hartford to AAA Albuquerque, mixing a futures game appearance in there as well. And like I said, this introduction to AAA has been unbelievable. What have the last couple of weeks been like from your perspective? Uh, It's been really fun. Um, Just, you know, I was really excited to get the call up to come to AAA and kind of it's good to have a home park playing in front of home fans. Uh, You know, it's been great. And then Finding out I was going to the Futures game, that was a very, very crazy experience, very fun experience, and I enjoyed every minute of it. And then just coming back and trying to end the season on a positive note. You mentioned the the ballpark situation. Obviously, Double A Hartford. Uh, most people who listen to the podcast probably know, but some maybe don't. The Yard Goats have been waiting all season for their ballpark to be finished. There's been a a big uh, discrepancy between the city and the contractor as to how to get that done. And so the the Yard Goats have played every game away from Hartford this season. But now you kind of do get to settle into a routine that you didn't have there, uh, being home so far for all but three of your games with Albuquerque. What's that been like for you? Not only just being able to you know go back to the same place every night and sleep in the same bed, but getting to play in front of a, a passionate fan base that people in Albuquerque really get behind that team. Uh, what has that been like as a member of the Tope so far? Uh, yeah, it's been great. Um, it's awesome having a home park and just coming to the field you know, at the same time every day, getting your routine in, you know, just being able to go back and sleep in the same bed, being somewhere longer than three, four days. Uh, and then the fan base, the fan base is really great here. Just, just uh you know we have a lot big crowd every night so it's just fun to play in, in a park like this in front of fans yeah it's just been really fun having people rooting for you rather than against you and just to go back to that situation in hartford for a second i think we're the or you're the first guy we've talked to on the podcast about that what was that experience like just always being on the road i, re- I remember i think i talked to the manager there and he was saying thing you don't think about is laundry and there's just all these other things that go into it other than mm-hmm. just not playing at a you know same ballpark every you know yeah half the time um but what what is that experience like just being on the road all the time like that in Harvard uh, you were it, in Harvard. it was it was pretty tough uh you know just every three four days you're on a bus traveling somewhere else and you just really don't have time to get comfortable anywhere and you know just hitting in other people's parks a lot uh kind of that's pretty tough but yeah it is hard you gotta we had to bring our laundry to the field if we wanted stuff washed and the club, he would wash it for us. And then, you know, and just getting your, like, family or girlfriends or something out, you know, for, you know, some people have uh, wives and kids, and just trying to get them out there is really hard because um, you just don't really know where you're going to be. And it's pretty tough places to fly into. Uh, not a lot of flights available, but I'd say that was pretty tough. Um, and then just the eating, you don't have a place to cook or anything, so you just, gotta eat out all the time and uh to go back to tyler before was talking about your triple a numbers and how easy of a transition at least it's looked on paper for you uh what has been what has made that transition at least look this easy for you i mean a lot of guys talk to talk about going from double a to triple a you're facing a little bit different pitching guys are pitching you a little differently for you you've still been able to get hits in all 12 games you've played so far with the isotopes 
Uh, what has eased that transition for you from double A to triple A? I wouldn't say it's really easy, but I'm just, I just feel like I'm coming to the field every day, getting my work in, trying to, trying to get better. And I'm just really going out and trying to help the team win. I'm not really focusing on results or anything like that. I just go out there and try to have a, a competitive at bat and just win that at bat. And, um, just really, I'm just not thinking at all in the box. I'd say that's the biggest thing. I'm just up there, kind of clear, clear mind. And I'm seeing it and just putting a good swing on it. David, how much I got a chance to talk to John Shelby, who's the the hitting coach of the Isotopes, uh, after one of your games last week. And one of the comments that he made that I thought was really interesting was he said, "quote He's not really trying to be a pull hitter or a slap hitter. He's just reacting and showing great hand-eye coordination." And one of the things that got me thinking about is a lot of the guys that you're seeing at this level are probably guys who you haven't seen before, especially playing in Double A in the Eastern League. So many of the parent clubs of Eastern League teams, their Triple A clubs are in the International League. They're not in the PCL, so you probably haven't seen a lot of these guys how much of of your success at this level and how much adjusting to a new level is being able to react and take just what you see in the moment of an at-bat versus the preparation side that maybe you're able to do when you have some more familiarity with these guys you're going up against yeah yeah i think it's big uh you know these teams don't really know how to throw me and i really don't know anything about them so i just i just go up there and i kind of just hum a song in my head before the pitch is coming and once i get ready to hit i'm just clear-minded just trying to just trying to put a good swing on it whether he throws it away i just take it the other way or he throws it in i pull it it's just I'm just really just it's just not thinking at all and for me when i've struggled in the past it's when you start thinking a lot in the box about what pitch might be coming or or something like that or you start thinking mechanics and you just you don't get ready to hit on time so you don't have enough time to actually pick up the ball so then you're just taking bad swings so for me it's just it's just having a clear mind and not thinking at all in the box and just reacting to what I see and trusting my eyes and my swing. All right. Well, I feel like I have to ask the uh, obvious follow-up then. What What is the song you're singing? That's what I was going to yourself. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, it's just like a bunch of country songs. I just kind of <laughs> change them up depending on what I'm, what I'm on deck feeling and just kind of changes. Does it, does it change with the moment? Is there a certain song you, you hum? No, they're all just kind of like chill. They're just like chill country songs. It just helps me relax. How often do you change your walk-up song? Uh, well, this is the first time I've had a walk-up song all year. Oh, that's this true. Place, <laughs> that's so. a good point. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so not I'm very not, often. I'm not going to change it. <laughs> yeah. For for this year, you were already up to 88 games. That's nine more than you played last year. You know, obviously when you had the the freak uh, spleen injury. Um, but how much has it helped you this year to be on the field as much as you have? You know, you've had some injury problems in the in the past. How much does that kind of help for you just to be back on the field, be healthy for a full season or, you know, through the first four months now. uh, Yeah. It's tough when you're hurt and just kind of just makes you realize how much you miss playing and how much you really love the game. So it's nice to be able to come to the field, take care of, you know, what I need to do to stay on the field and just got to keep doing that. But it's it's great to just be able to go out and play and have fun. David, we talked over the offseason for a prospect Q&A story uh, that I put up on the site in January, and one of the things that you noted was getting ready for 2016. You were rooming uh, in Arizona with Trevor Story and with Ryan McMahon. Uh, McMahon has been at the AA level as well this year with Hartford. There's a lot of stuff going on with his season. He's been introduced to first base uh, a little bit this year. Obviously, the Rockies have a very talented third baseman at the major league level, so he's getting that action. And Trevor Story, all of a sudden, I mean, you guys leave Scottsdale. He is the story in major league baseball for the first couple 
couple of weeks, um, you know, and, and probably should have been an all-star by a lot of accounts and has had one heck of a rookie season. For you guys, I mean, especially for you and Ryan, having been with him every day over the offseason, what was that like watching a guy that you spent so much time working out with, hanging out with, you know, playing golf with, all that kind of stuff, all of a sudden become the guy in Major League Baseball to start this season? Yeah, it was awesome to see that. Uh, actually, you know, Hartford, since we didn't have a home park, uh, the double-A team stayed a couple extra days in Scottsdale, so we were able to go watch Story's debut. And it was awesome seeing him. You know, he had, he had two home runs off Ranky, so that was, that was just great to see, just see how much work, he, work he, he has put in over the last couple of years and see that transition at the big league level and what he's doing. It's just amazing, you know, one of my best friends on the team to go up and do that. Awesome! Really happy for him, and we we talk all the time. Still, just keeping in touch and stuff like that. So it's really exciting for him. And, and when you guys are talking, you know, you're talking to a guy who's in the major leagues who is getting it done at that level. What kind of advice is he passing down to you, or things he's noticing about the majors, that kind of th- stuff? What kind of notes is he giving you? Uh, it's more just you know, for me, just seeing where my feet are, just not worrying about anything, going out and playing. Uh, and then it, I just say, I'll see the home run or something. I'm like, dang, bro, you're going for 40 this year or something like that. And just, we just kind of mess around back and forth. And then we just, we got to just talk about other stuff, uh, little things. It's not always baseball, just keeping it, keeping it in touch, you know, how he's doing off the field, how his girlfriend's doing, how I'm doing, how my girlfriend's doing, just stuff like that. David, when you um, you know look at his season, his start to this year, where you are now is really similar kind of to where Trevor was this time last season. Got the call up to Albuquerque, was really successful there. And then there was a move at the major league level that opened the door uh, for him going into 2016. Um, the Rockies, obviously, there's a lot of conversation constantly surrounding, especially Carlos Gonzalez, but Charlie Blackman now too, um, which is a guy who plays in a spot where you play. Do you think at all about what the, you know, the next couple of months could hold or what 2017 holds, or is this all just right now about you know kind of trying to keep it where you are in Albuquerque with this really hot start yeah it's something I'm really not thinking about at all I'm just you know I'm happy to be here in AAA and just kind of just trying to do whatever I can to get better every day and whatever happens up there happens and something I can't control so I'm just trying to be just be where my feet are and just kind of just go about my business the right way and keep trying to get better so whenever my opportunity does come I'm ready all right, a couple of quick ones for you. Uh, number one, you're in Albuquerque, and you, I would assume, have a decent amount of time away from the field now as opposed to what the situation was like with the yard goats. So two-part question. One, are you a Breaking Bad fan? And two, have you driven around to look at everything in Albuquerque yet? Uh, yes, I'm a Breaking Bad fan. I've seen all the episodes, and no, I haven't really <laughs> done anything. I've okay. been here. I just well, I kind of I sleep in, and I just go to the field, work out. A piece of advice. Last year, I talked to Tyler Matzik, who said when he was in Albuquerque, he and his wife did a little bit of driving around, and apparently the lady who lives in Walter White's house is not super friendly. So one day, if you guys all decide you're going to make a, a you know uh-huh. a little day trip out of it, just don't linger too long in front of Walter White's house. That's a piece of advice I got uh, from Tyler Matzik last year. But number two, one of the things that you mentioned in the in the offseason story that we did was that uh, Trevor Story and Ryan McMahon got a very good deal of fun out of making fun of you for how you play golf. Have you been able to improve on that and kind of get them to lay off of you at all? Uh, no, I'm still terrible at golf. I, I'm, I think I've retired. I just, I'm just not good at it. So I've accepted it. That's all right. I think you're good at swinging other things. I think that's true. That, that is true. Path. You have other professional avenues to go down. Yeah. 
He is David Dahl. He's the Rockies' number two prospect, and right now is just smoking the baseball all over the place with the AAA Albuquerque Isotopes in the Pacific Coast League. David is on Twitter as well. You can follow him there at ddahl21 and uh, check out the continued hot start to this stint with uh, the AAA Topes and the PCL. By the way, since David joined the Isotopes, the Isotopes combined between May and June went 17 and 40. Since David has joined them, they've now won, I believe, 10 of 12. Uh, so it's been a very good start with David in the lineup as well and uh david best of luck continued success in albuquerque we can't thank you enough for giving us uh, a little bit of time and enjoy the rest of this stint in triple a man best of luck all right thank you i appreciate it so there they were five of the best in minor league baseball and eventually as their years went on in major league baseball in the 2016 season wilson Contreras and albert almora of the chicago cubs alex bregman of the houston astros the oakland athletics ryan healy and the colorado rockies david Dahl. big thanks again to all those guys for taking time out of their schedules back during the season before the season and wilson's case uh to join the show and kind of let us in on you know what life was like at a, a stage in the careers of guys who were on to bigger and better things but you know when you talk to guys in those circumstances, especially somebody like Albert Almora, uh, you know, you don't necessarily know where you're going to fit or if you're going to fit, if a team is going to have a fit for you. If you're Alex Bregman, you know that you're going to be found a spot at some point, probably pretty soon. I mean, yeah, Carlos Correa somewhat blocking your path, but they're going to figure out a way to get you to Houston. You know, if you're somebody like Albert Almora, there is such a question mark as to where and how you are going to fit into the puzzle as a piece that it can be a strenuous, hectic, stressful time when you get to the upper levels of the minor leagues. And for guys like this to, you know, kind of let us in and give us a chance to get a glimpse of what it's like is really cool for us. Yeah, and and I think the interesting thread that connects all five of these guys outside of just, you know, their guys who made their debuts this year uh, is that none of them were traded. You know, they didn't need to go out of their way to make that happen. They just performed well, forced their way to the majors that way with their organization proved to be valuable pieces of that organization and, you know, are projected to do that going forward. Uh, you know, we had talked to other guys this year that we could have put on this list. Jake Thompson uh, made his debut with the Phillies this year. We talked to him, I think, before the season started. Uh, he had, you know, was coming off a year in which he had been traded from the Rangers. Um, so, you know, he went from a place that probably didn't have a role to him to a rebuilding Phillies system. You can go back and listen to that one if you get the chance. Sean Manea another guy who had been traded from you know a very very good Royals team at the time to the A's who were you know kind of constantly rebuilding and he forces his way to the majors very quickly there so we got him before that as well so uh all these guys you know they that you heard today or you know whenever you're listening to this over the course of two days over the course of your travels um you know they all made it with the team that they started the year out with but that's not always the case so uh, yeah, you can always go back and listen to some of our other stuff, too, to find those other pr perspectives. And you can find all those episodes at MILB.com slash podcast. You can find us on iTunes. You can find, uh, find us on the Stitcher app. And, uh, yeah, we have had a ton of fun this year getting a chance to really um, – examine what it's like for some of these guys who are on the verge of breaking through. But some of my favorite interviews from this year have been with the guys who are not going to be on the verge of breaking through for a while. But we got a chance to catch up with, you know, some really young guys in minor league baseball this year. Uh, a guy who you will hear from next week. We'll preview a little bit of what next week's episode is going to be like. This week is kind of the playmakers edition, and next week is kind of the newsmakers edition, if you will. But next week, you'll get a, a chance to listen to our interview with Mickey Moniak, the top pick in the draft this year in the Philadelphia Philly system. 
for guys like that that are starting out, that is another just really fascinating wrinkle to this whole thing because I'm sure if you would have talked to David Dahl, if you would have talked to Ryan Healy, if you would have talked to Alex Bregman, maybe not Bregman because it was like 10 minutes ago that he was drafted. But for those guys who started off a long time ago, the road is so long in some cases and so arduous in some cases. You know, I think about it from Dahl's perspective, had an issue where he missed a team flight and was suspended for a little while a couple of years ago, then comes back a few days into his career. I believe this is in the 2013 season, uh, a few days into that season after the disciplinary issue uh, with Class A Asheville. He tears his hamstring. He's done for the year. Then he comes back, you know, 2015, he has the, the ruptured spleen and an outfield collision. Just stuff that's very, very brutally rough stuff to go through now he's in the major leagues now he's a five tool guy potentially and he's made it so it's so different to hear somebody like mickey moniak at the outset of that and yeah i mean there's a lot coming and i'm gonna have to be prepared for it and then talk to these guys at the end it's just that's a fascinating juxtaposition of what it's like at the the start and the finish these minor league careers yeah and and you said it at the beginning of the podcast when we were talking about almora it feels like he's been around forever but he was drafted in 2012 as was Dahl. I mean, that feels like forever right. in terms of minor league development. You want these guys getting up as quick as they can, but you know, sometimes they're longer roads, and that's what we expect. I mean, Almora is still 22. Uh, you know, Dahl is still in his early 20s. So, you know, the, as much as you want to think, oh, these guys are just going to speed up, they're going to you know hit two levels in a year, and they're going to be up in two years. That, that's not how it works. These long roads happen. Uh, so it's fun for us to kind of see the beginning and sometimes the end of those roads and obviously all the possibilities in between. So we already did everything that we're thankful for in minor league baseball last month with Thanksgiving with the airing of grievances this year. I don't, I don't really feel like I have that many on the, on no. the podcast. I don't no, no. And this isn't like a game either. No, no. <laughs> we, we wish we could sit no, here and just great. like, well, you know, this could happen. This, I like, mean, I do have one. I don't yet own a Ben's biz t-shirt. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I mean that's got to be a 2017 re- resolution. We'll yeah. get to those next yeah. week, but uh, yeah, that's got, that's got to change. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's all. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's my only complaint. Let's go with that for now. Okay, let's do it. Just saying, Ben. We've got a lot of problems with you, Ben, <laughs> and now you just heard all of them. One thing that I also uh, was reminded of while we were getting set to record this is episode number 67, in which we talked to Ryan Healy, was the episode in which I jokingly made fun of Pokemon Go. Remember Pokemon Go? And somebody took the trouble of creating an account to comment on the uh, podcast article page saying, I don't really get Tyler's hate for Pokemon Go. It's just a fun thing for people to do. <laughs> okay. Yeah, well, I get it. it- it went with the wind very quickly. <laughs> I think. I mean, the team just might like be still, just still like Pokemon it. Go. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I guess so. Oh man! But we had a, a heck of a fun year getting a chance to talk to some of the guys on the field who made the biggest headlines in minor league baseball. And next week. We'll hear from some people off the field, around the field, and a few more players uh, who made big headlines, whether it was through you know guys like Mickey Moniak, young guys making big steps forward in their career, and guys like Matt Bushman, minor league veterans who spent over a decade in the minor leagues before getting that first call to the big leagues. We'll hear from those guys. We'll hear from a lot more coming up next week. Uh, thanks a ton for tuning in. This is fun for us to get a chance to look back at the 2016 season. And we'll finish out 2016 coming up next week with our final episode looking back on the year that was in minor league baseball. We'll talk to you. Yeah. <laughs>